headway is being made understanding why some people are predisposed to toxic drug interactions in what could one day help regulators and drug makers perhaps avoid a major recall and a major risk to public health. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter with the Chicago Tribune, and joining me today is Arthur Holden. Mr. Holden is Chief Executive Officer of the Serious Adverse Event Consortium of Chicago. Previously, he was a Senior Vice President of Corporate and Business Development at Illumina, a provider of analytical systems and services for the analysis of genetic variation. At the consortium, he works with the Food and Drug Administration and a partnership of 11 of the world's largest drug makers, such as Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson, to provide a map of genetic markers linking serious adverse events to injuries and death. He joins us today from his offices in Chicago. Arthur Holden, welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Great. Thanks. Uh, Pleasure to be with you. Well, it's good to have you back, as it were, because a couple of years ago we talked about how this consortium was just created. But you have some news for us in telling us how this has, has worked and that this consortium is actually doing what it said it would. And if you could tell us a little bit about what's going on here. So just to provide a little bit of context for your listeners, this consortium has been set up, as you mentioned, with both uh, regulators as well as many of the large pharmaceutical companies. And then and academic researchers that have an interest in why it is that a select few individuals have very serious adverse reactions to different medications. And so the consortium was set up to really research the genetic basis of these idiosyncratic events. So we're really focused on identifying potential genetic factors and validating those that could be predictive of who in the population might be at risk for given drugs to have these events. So that's kind of the, the context of what the consortium is doing. We essentially have just released a second tranche of data. The way that the consortium works is we put together networks, uh, collaborative networks of investigators, in this case principally throughout Europe, but to identify patients that had drug-induced liver injury. That's one of the major serious adverse events. If this happens with even a relatively few number of patients, typically a drug is either given a black box warning or, or pulled off the market. And and that can be a drug that's easily replaced by another therapeutic, or in some cases it could be a, a fairly differentiated therapeutic. So this is a very important issue from a pharmaceutical company productivity and a really critical issue from a public health and a healthcare system productivity point of view. So just to clarify one point in your introduction, we're not really focused as much on interactions, drug-drug interactions, as you alluded to, what we're trying to find out is whether or not there are rare genetic markers that predispose a very small number of people to these very serious adverse reactions to drugs. So that's the... And what we've just released is the first half, really a portion of a study that we're doing on the genetics of drug-induced liver injury. Tell us a little bit about that because the Food and Drug Administration actually put out something on this, which is basically not just you guys talking with the drug companies, but the FDA basically saying, hey, this group is is doing some work that potentially could save some lives down the road. Right, right. 
you know, the FDA has an enormous challenge just to ensure that it can adequately protect the safety and quality of, of both the food supply and, and, and drugs being marketed in the United States. This is a huge, huge, complicated task. And when we think about the new biology and the advancements that have taken place, both in our understanding of genetics and our ability to do genetic-based studies, to understand the role of genetics in a given phenomenon, it's really hard to think about the FDA doing that work. So one of the reasons that I founded the consortium and put it together and have built it over the last few years is that it's a private sector leadership initiative in the scientific research agenda to really help our government do a better job of what it should be doing. In other words, instead of a model that says we're going to tax everybody and everything's going to be driven by government and through government, there are clearly areas where there are limitations to that and where you need multiple parties and integrated collaborative networks and a variety of skills this private public type of model actually works quite well and generally is far more efficient than the mechanisms where only taxpayer money goes into it. So we're funding this effort with no taxpayer money, not one penny of taxpayer money is being used, but we're helping the FDA build a scientific base to do a better job in understanding these adverse events and hopefully down the road regulating them. So that's a novel model and and one that you know, a lot of us could take stock on and think about as we go forward, given the size of our government and where we're going to be financially with it. Well, and when there is an adverse event, it's generally works that the drug companies are going to find out that the problem exists before anybody else anyway. No. It is not, that's not the case? No. Hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. That's kind of interesting. So if you think about an adverse reaction or a safety problem to a given medication, one end of the continuum, you could have a drug like acetaminophen that we know that pretty much everyone, I mean, a very high percentage of people that take that at very high doses are going to have a toxic effect, and it's a liver injury. On the other hand, if you were to take an antibiotic, and, and the one, one that we picked out and we just published in Nature Genetics was, it is not marketed in the United States. It's, it's called flucloxacillin, but a broad-spectrum antibiotic, very well utilized across Europe. If you take that drug at normal dosing levels, roughly somewhere in the neighborhood of one patient every 10 to 15,000 may have an adverse liver response to it. In other words, they end up, it causes a cascade. Well, what we've found out is an example is that there's a certain area of the genome on chromosome 6 called the major histocompatibility complex or the MHC region, which has a lot to do with how the immune system functions. There are mutations in that area, specifically a mutation called HLA-B5701, that patients that carry that mutation and get this drug have a very high probability of having this adverse response. But the other thousands of patients that don't have that mutation can take the drug safely. So is that a problem with the drug or a problem with the patient? To what standard do you start to say, well, wait a second, if one person out of 10,000, for example, is at risk for this, isn't the more logical solution over time to actually have 
profiles that are done prophylactically on patients across many potential sensitivities and have those stored in the patient's medical record so that the clinician, if they think about prescribing a given antibiotic, would first check and say, does this patient carry any mutations which would either predispose him or her to an adverse response or, in fact, that they metabolize certain drugs in certain ways. We may want to take that in consideration so that before we give the dosing to the patient. In other words, a kind of crude beginning to personalizing medicines, the use of medicines, versus saying, well, you know, we're going to go through the very laborious trial and error process that we go through today. Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host. And joining me today is Arthur Holden, who was on our program a couple years ago when this consortium called the Serious Adverse Events Consortium was just getting underway. And now he's here telling us about how they have results from initial study of their global research collaboration that has identified genetic markers related to drug-induced liver injury. And if you could, uh, Mr. Holden, Tell us about this, really how significant this is, because this this hasn't something that necessarily has happened, but it's something, as you said, perhaps early stages or a crude form of personalized medicine. And if physicians who are primary listeners are listening in, they basically can find out early on whether their patients have some sort of genetic situation that would require them not to take a drug. Right, or to think about how they use the drug or substitute. So there are a couple points that I'd make in in reference to your question. So what we have found, there are a few things, and we're continuing this research not only on drug-induced liver injury. We've done an initial study on serious skin rash. We're looking at various types of cardiac arrhythmias, the variety of serious conditions that we're looking at. But what we've found out so far from the two studies, one on drug-induced liver injury and one on serious skin rash, is that... We thought for a long time we were going to acquire large numbers of these patients in order to get statistical significance to figure out if there really was a genetic effect going on. And what this research in these first two studies, which are novel, have shown us is that with relatively small cohorts or collections of patients that are well characterized with a given condition, that when we compare them to very large numbers from a genetics point of view, matched controls from the population, so for every case we may have 10 to 20 controls that we can actually derive the genetic effect quite clearly if it in fact exists. So that's very important in terms of how quickly this research will take place. Second point is that many drug companies now in the context of doing their studies or beginning to think about doing post-marketing studies will want to try to keep a monitor to see if their particular therapeutic causes in any specific patient group, one of these types of reactions, and then work with the clinical providers to obtain clinical information and DNA sample to try and understand whether or not there could be a predictive genetic test or markers that could be used. And each company will be doing that. Well, that's really interesting because when you think about it, you know, in the wake of Vioxx and such, you know, the whole post-marketing review has been ratcheted up by the FDA and even self-policing by drug companies. So what you're saying is that they may want to be as part of their post-market review working with the clinicians, the doctors, 
to gather DNA of patients that may or may not have problems, and they could avoid a situation like that in the future. That's right. Or manage, because the problem with any clinical trial, it's never going to be large enough. If something happens roughly one every 10,000 patients, and the average phase three clinical trial is 5,000 patients or 10,000 patients, whatever, you may see one case of it. That's not enough to really understand how to manage it. Now, there's one other point that I want to make for your viewers because this came out of the data in science. It's very important, maybe even more profound than any of the points that have come out so far. When we looked at the drug-induced liver injury caused by this particular antibiotic, and we're looking at a variety of drugs that cause it, and that, those data will be coming out in the future, but the main genetic variant that was predictive of an individual having drug-induced liver injury in the presence of this particular antibiotic, fluoxacillin, was the same genetic marker that predisposed patients that take a drug called a bacavir to having a generalized, what we call a general hypersensitivity reaction. This is a broad systemic cross-organ system, so you may have rash, high temperature, you may have drug-induced liver injury as part of it. It's a, a broader systemic type of reaction that takes place in the presence of a given drug. The same genetic variants cause both of those. So what it says is that as we do this research, it may be the way that you've got patients that may be slow or fast metabolizers of certain drugs, which mean that you need to consider the dosing in a much more personal way than you do today. It may also be that certain patients in the presence of many different types of drugs would, would have a sensitivity for these type of adverse reactions. So you may have somebody that's hypersensitive to drugs and these types of reactions, and it may be multiple reactions. We're at the beginning of this road. We need to put a lot more data and a lot more science around this. But it is exciting to think about the development of kind of prophylactic panels that would profile individuals and begin to put a little bit more science. And clearly we're seeing the science take place in the oncology field. But we're not working in the oncology field right now because many of these adverse events you're willing to endure because it's the only therapeutic option that's available and certainly beats dying of cancer. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Arthur Holden for joining us once again. And we've been discussing the work of the International Serious Adverse Events Consortium, which is working to, with a collaboration with industry and the government, to identify genetic markers related to drug-induced liver injury, but that's only the beginning. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. I've been your host, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on the air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and I'd like to thank you today for listening.